hey, hey, and welcome to Insurance Town. I'm the Mayor Heath Sharon and the host of this podcast. Does your agency spend a lot of time collecting insurance information and chasing down prospects to get deck pages? Well, Canopy Connect has built a one-click solution, a one-click solution that allows agencies to instantly and securely collect the insurance information that they need to quote a prospect. They import everything. I mean everything, guys. They import deck pages, asset information, policy information, drivers, limits, deductibles, claims. They, they get it all for you. All you do is click one button. How much easier would that be for you to get all that information, not have that intrusive back and forth with your clients? It would be awesome. I'm telling you right now. If you want to learn more about that, Canopy Connect has now decided they wanted to sponsor our show. How cool is that? And they put together our own referral link. So you can go to app.usecanopy.com backslash Heath. That's my name, H-E-A-T-H. If you use that link, you're going to get a discount right off the bat. Or you can email him at toga at usecanopy.com. I'm super excited about this partnership. And I really think it's going to be awesome for you as well as the listeners of Insurance Town Podcast. So I'm super excited about today's episode. Today, I've got my friend Claire DiNicola on the show, and she is incredible. She was the first and only CEO of Ivan's. She has been a champion for women in this industry for years. She's also been involved in the data revolution and been involved in Augie. And she's involved with uh, so many different organizations with technology and insurance and blending those together. And she's a champion for agencies out there. And she wants to help independent agencies grow and be more efficient and do things in a better way. And she's the owner with a partner of the 10 company. And the 10 company is a cool company they've got. They use, they do coaching, they do marketing, they do communication, consulting, and strategy. They're just awesome. And you're going to love Claire. And I can't wait for you to hear our conversations. So without further ado, I bring to you Claire DiNicola. Claire DiNicola. I pronounced that right. And I'm so proud of myself. I practiced and practiced and practiced. <laughs> like a true New Yorker. You got it right. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that is one accent that I you know, would always... I always thought it would be cool to have um, that New York accent, but, you know, every time I try to do it, it comes out with some funky, like, Brooklyn gangster or something. I don't know. It's never good. Uh, but so not doing it during the podcast today, huh? You're not going to Right. <laughs> no. I think the audience would probably turn it off immediately. But, um, you know, I want you to do me a favor while we're, you know, getting into this show why don't we take a walk down memory lane and I want you to introduce yourself to the audience and kind of give them a background of who you are and bring us forward to where you are today. Okay, great. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. I've been a fan of your podcast now for at least the last month or so and uh, love the opening music, which is really cool. So I'm really excited to hear mine. Um, but I'm Claire well, D. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm Claire DiNicola, and um, I'm currently a consultant with The Ten Company, which is my own company, which I founded with a partner, uh, gosh, now seven years ago. Time really does fly. Yeah, it feels like it was just yesterday that we opened up our doors. And we do all kinds of consulting in the um, insurance space, but we also do it outside of insurance. I have a background in healthcare, technology, 
Um, my partner works in big corporations. So we do everything from marketing communications to strategy to social media consulting and we the thing about our company is we really dive in both of us have a lot of too many years to count of experience and we dive in and love to get our hands dirty and really help our clients but before i started the 10 company uh, i was at ivan's and so probably a number of your listeners know ivan's and i was at ivan's 14 years I was the uh, president and CEO for the last seven years of my stay at Ivan's. And I started there as the chief marketing officer and kind of worked my way up to through the organization from marketing to sales to running a business unit to ultimately becoming uh, leader of the company. And then I left Ivan's to go start the 10 company. And before that, I had a probably a number of jobs in marketing, number of jobs in public relations um, before I landed at Ivan's in the late 90s. So, but so I've been around insurance a while because I do a lot of work still in the insurance industry and I kind of know it from all sides, both from the agency side and from the carrier side and from the vendor technology side. So if I'm not mistaken, and I think you've told me this, uh, you were the first and maybe only woman to be CEO of Ivan's? Yes. That's yeah. an incredible feat. That's incredible. Yeah. Before me, it had been all men. And also at the time, um, Ivan's was run by a board of directors. And we ultimately got another woman, but I was the first woman on the board of Ivan's as well. And uh, actually, I'll tell you a little story about even just becoming CEO of Ivan's, right? Yeah, I would love to hear it. Okay, so I was, the, as I told you, I was sort of rising through the ranks in the company. I'd been the chief marketing officer, and now I was heading a, a business unit. And our, the CEO of Ivan's left suddenly. He left to take another job. It was actually Dan Carmichael. He left to become the CEO of Ohio Casualty at the time. And the board formed a search committee and said, we're going to look for a new CEO. Um, and so I was running my little group and I thought I was doing really well. And I would, got together with a few of my colleagues and they said, you should apply. And I said, you're right. I'm going to raise my hand. I'm going to apply for this job. I'm ready. I'm going to do this job. So um, I put together my packet. I got my resume. And in those days, you didn't just email it. These were the old days. We had to FedEx out the copies to the um, search committee of the board. And then, um, you know, was waiting for the response. And one of the directors called me. He said, are you kidding me? You can't be the CEO of Ivan's. You don't have this. You don't have that. You don't have this. And told me all the things I didn't have. And I listened to him on the phone. And I was like, all right, you know, <laughs> but I didn't go away. And so I didn't get it. The, and the moral of that story is I didn't get the job at the time. And they, they brought um, someone who had been going into retirement. They pulled him back and he became the interim CEO. But three years later, when the interim CEO was leaving, uh, they called me up and said, you know, we'd like to put you in the running for the CEO of Ivan. And they would have never done that if I hadn't raised my hand early on. Uh, in the in the scenario because they weren't probably thinking of me that way till I presented myself and said, hey, I'm thinking of becoming the CEO of Ivan's. I'd really like this challenge. And so that's kind of a lesson I try to teach my daughter. I try to, we do, you know, coaching for women all the time and, and trying to help them, you know, 
take more risks in their careers because that was a little bit of a risk to put myself out there and then be rejected. But if I had never done that, I would have never been in the running later on to become the CEO. And and that's a huge thing that, as, as we've talked about before, you know, I have two daughters at home and my wife is CEO of uh, PIA here locally, the professional insurance agents for those that need to know that acronym. And I try to preach to them, my wife, I try to champion that. And don't let anyone tell you can't do anything because you're a woman or don't let anyone tell you're lesser than because you're a female. And so for you to bust through that barrier at Ivan's and especially in the industry that, as I've talked about in my podcast before, pale, male and stale. Right. And you break through that. What does that mean to you? What was that for you? Oh, you know, I, it's, I will tell you, you know, we took this trip down memory lane before I kind of have never thought I can't do anything. And maybe that's to my detriment, right? I just don't think I can't. Now, the world will send back a ton of signals, like you're not good enough or you can't do this or that. But I, I always felt if you just think about it as the job and knowing you could do the job. So for instance, one of the, feedback, one of the pieces of feedback they gave me is you don't have enough finance experience. So I tried to figure out how can I get more experience, maybe not in the ins and outs of calculating variables and things like that, maybe not the technical aspects, but try to figure out at Ivan's how they make the money. You know, where, where, attach yourself to following the sale. And so I got in the, involved in the sale or, sales organization and my strength wasn't really about the numbers per se, but I could add because I would understand the customer motivations. So I think for, for women who are thinking about getting ahead, not trying to be something you're not, but trying to think about what are, what are you really good at? And then how can you sort of merge that up with something of value to the company? And then the last piece of that is if once you can do that, start articulating it, start telling that board of directors why people are buying or, hey, there's a great opportunity for Ivan's in healthcare that nobody's even looking at yet. And those are some of the things I was able to do that I think really helped me in that three-year time frame when they were trying to figure out what they were going to do for a permanent CEO. So I think that's, you know, it's not necessarily paying so much attention to the signals they're sending you that you can't, but take those as real feedback and say, all right, what can I do with this information? Because I know I can, but I might just need to take a little bit of a different path. So, that's yeah. Awesome. And so, with that being said, that has to make you, you know, propel you into a role to where you could be a mentor or a leader to so many other women in our industry that are trying to. And, you know, it's funny, before you answer this next question, I just say for me as a podcast host, I've interviewed several women on my show and I try to do a half and half deal and I try to find agency principals that are women. You know, I try to find leaders that are women, and there's a lot of leaders that are women. I shouldn't say it that way, but in leadership roles and agencies, and it's hard for me to find those, mm-hmm. and I think that's a shame, and I'm not, you know, trying to get a political soapbox or anything, but I, or a gender soapbox, but I do think it's something that has to propel you into that role of being a mentor or a leader to women in our industry, and is that something that you find yourself doing or targeting or just kind of happens? I don't know the numbers on it, but I don't find enough women agency, female agency principals out there. There probably are a lot fewer than men. So yes, I I love to be more involved and and trying to help women, but right now I do it more on an informal basis in the the industry. But um, 
Some of it comes down to even being able to get together as a group of women and be able to support each other. And those kinds of things can really help, especially if you're looking for more women to be, you know, agency principals or in leadership roles within agencies, for sure. Yeah. And I just, I didn't know if you had any thoughts maybe on maybe why you think that is that there's not more women in agency principal roles for that matter. I know there's a lot of husband and wife teams and there's several agency principals in Arkansas that are female, but I just wonder why there's not more of that. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's probably similar to other um, uh, uh, women starting businesses, right? You read some of the stats on like um, the venture capital money and does how many, how much of it flows to women starting businesses versus men starting businesses in, in terms of agencies, um, it's probably similar. I've done work with um, women pharmacy owners. So another kind yeah. of small business and there aren't as many of them either. And they need s- some support systems. First of all, they need mentors and sponsors to be able to even think of this as a career and a good option for themselves. And then once they're in it, they, they may need to borrow money. They may need to do all these things that again is a little more, can be, I will say, can be a little more difficult for a woman if you're not presented, if you're not prepared with the right tools and other things like that. And some of it's, we do some, we do a seminar for women on uh, risk taking and how to help women become more risk takers because that is a big part of it. Um, And so maybe it's some of it's that, that, you know, taking a leap of faith to be your own, to start your own business in essence with it, if it's a a scratch agency, Um, you know, that is, that is a risk. That is a risk you're taking. And so, how do you how do you get more comfortable with that as a woman? And I don't like to stereotype, but women from an earlier age, you know, you talked about how you're talking to your daughters, like don't let any barriers in your way. But from an earlier age, even if you're conscious of those barriers, they sometimes can still get to you. Um, I'll tell you a quick story about my daughter. So you figure my daughter, I was the CEO, I was out there working, I was traveling all the time. So she has a pretty good sort of mentor within her own, you know, or example. Um, And she is in college and she recently made the Dean's List. And they have a thing at her college where you can just hit a button and it'll tell everybody on LinkedIn that you made the Dean's List. And I said, you, why haven't you done this? You made the Dean's list. Congratulations. And she said, Oh, I don't want to show off. You know, I just really don't want to show off. And then a few days later, she looked at her LinkedIn and all these boys who she's friends with had shared their Dean's list posts. And she was, it was sort of in her nature. She wanted to be more um, modest about it rather than sort of telling the world. And see, that's not something I taught her or untaught her. It just somehow was just part of her makeup. And, and so eventually she did share it and it was good, but it wasn't, you know, she didn't have that same attitude of like, I'm going to tell the world how great I am. So. Yeah. And that goes back to, you know, the pale male and still, we all want to brag on ourselves (laughs) (laughs) or me, you know, which I was never even close to the Dean's list, but (laughs) I would have been the first one to hit share. But, um, Anyhow, so going back down memory lane, I appreciate you sharing all that about, you know, congratulations. I think that's awesome. You know, you were the first woman CEO of Ivan's, you know, speaking of Ivan's, and I don't know in your path down memory lane, it wasn't necessarily brought up in an order, but you and I share a friend in Keith Savino, who's very involved in 
Augie. Um, and some people may not know what Augie is and know what that is. And I found out just today that you were a part of that as well. Could you talk to me a little bit about the early days of Augie and what that means and what it's doing now and just your passion for that a little bit? Sure. Um, and I've become re-engaged with Augie recently. Uh, I guess within the last three years is when I got re-engaged. But Keith and I go way back. We go so far back to um, uh, an old APT meeting, if anybody remembers APT in the industry, and Keith and I were both there. So that's the funny thing about the insurance industry, actually, is that you see folks that, even though when I was out for a few years and then came back in, I see folks I've known for like 20 years, and it's just like the same old, right? You, it's I love that about the industry, that people are just so nice and welcoming, and, and you know, you catch it's up with people that... It's one big family and we all, you know, see each other. And again, that's one of the things that I love about doing this podcast and becoming this persona of the mayor that I've kind of adopted because people say I know somebody from everywhere. But again, you go to these meetings in Orlando where you and I hung out several months ago or our meetings in San Diego or Washington, wherever we go with these national meetings and you see these people and you just catch up like old fan, like old friends and right. family and you know, there's Aunt Claire and there's Uncle Keith and, you know, we're going <laughs> to hang out and it's just really neat. And so, yeah, you're exactly right. But anyhow, not to interrupt yeah. your story. I digressed though. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so Augie is, so for anybody who doesn't know what Augie is, first of all, Augie is A-U-G-I-E group and that's its official name. But it doesn't stand for anything anymore. It used to stand for something like agent associations and user groups and blah, 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 blah. But it sort of all morphed into just the acronym, which is Augie. But what it is, is the it's where all the associations and all the vendor um, associations that relate to agents get together and all talk among themselves. So it really is the only place that you can bring an issue that sort of crosses vendors, crosses technologies, crosses uh, PIA and Big I, and you can bring it to, to Augie, and Augie can sort of, it's sort of the Switzerland of everything, and Augie can address it. So one of the biggest claim to fame for Augie was um, uh, many years ago, so maybe 15 years ago or so, they did the real-time campaign when real-time was first coming into being. And Augie did this whole big splash and got all these groups together to, to promote the idea that folks should be using real-time and made some real inroads with that, with agencies and with carriers and with vendors, you know, kind of got everybody really on the same page with that. And so today, Augie is um, addressing a number. Augie has a number of priorities, and anybody can go to the Augie Group website and see the priorities. Um, but some of the priorities are still in, are in um, claims download, commercial lines download, e-docs and messaging, getting these things used more. But there's also a group within Augie that addresses emerging technologies and is bringing a lot of insure techs that focus on agents to come and talk about that it's actually a huge issue, right? If you're working within your agency management system, but you're also using other solutions, you shouldn't, it shouldn't have to be harder for the agent. It should be able to pass those files from one to the next to the next. And so Augie is addressing a lot of that. So are there ways to make it a lot easier and seamless interfaces for the agents to be able to take advantage of a lot of the new stuff that's out there? Um, yeah, so I, <laughs> I, I love it. And it sounds like some backdoor society to have a secret knock to get in or something. <laughs> but uh, no, that's super cool. And I'm glad that that 
organization exists and some people that didn't know about it, you know, now you do listening to insurance town, but um, you know, I find it funny. I talked to Mike Becker about this on a couple podcasts ago and I find it relatable to this one too, to say, you know, years ago, not even years ago, I guess you could say years ago, people were scared of insure techs and agencies were afraid that they were going to take over and they were going to do this or that. And now I see more of a, a partnership with agencies, carriers, and insurtechs, where it's no longer insurtechs the cuss word. And, you know, you have any thoughts on that? I do. Yes. Yes. Well, two things. One is you said, Augie sounds like a secret society. And I just want to say it's the total opposite of that. If anybody <laughs> okay. could knock on the door and Augie will let them in. They, they definitely love new members. Um, but in terms of insurtechs, I agree. There were all these like scary articles like insurtechs are going to take over your business. You know, you might as well, you know, sell now. This is so crazy. And, you know, but I think it's the definition of insurtechs because there are a ton of insurtechs that are they're under this label insurtech because it's kind of a hot label but what they do is they provide technology for agents and make agents lives and ability to create a better customer experience so i in fact i work with a number of insure techs today that are solely focused on um, empowering agents as the distribution for insurance so i think as all things they evolve right now there are some insure techs that actually are competing with the agent's business but then again why can't an agency today be an insure tech, right? If you're an agency and you're a digital agency and you are creating a wonderful digital customer experience and adding your expertise and value, aren't you in essence an insure tech at the end of the day? You know? No, that's good thoughts. No, I'm with you. Uh, and, I, and I'm following that. So, uh, you know, to me, I, you talked about making things easier for the agency and I don't, you know, ever want to make this a plug for, any one person or not, but I can't help but think about the work that people like Seth Zaremba and Sid Rowe are doing with Neon and mm -hmm. trying to bring data together and trying to bring the agents closer together and the data easier to use and making things so much simpler with a, a one platform solution. And I think as more and more that happens, it makes us more insurance all in one big family. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for I do work with, obviously, Augie, and I work with PIA, which is how we met, and talk to a lot of agents that are doing such amazing, cool stuff with having virtual offices in different geographies or um, uh, doing using um, uh, uh, data analytics to really figure out how to target the best customers. I mean, really sophisticated, interesting stuff, right? And so I think... When we think about the industry, there's so many pockets of cool innovation happening, ways to make that more visible to more agencies so that, because it's very accessible now, you know, if with SaaS-based solutions, it doesn't have to be unaffordable, um, you know, implementing it in your agency can be much easier. So there's lots of opportunities today, more than ever before in terms of cool solutions and things that'll really grow business. Yeah, you made the comment to me one time that the challenge remains how to get more people to change behaviors and introduce new solutions. I think that's how you said that. What, what, explain to me that a little bit more. So um, just taking you back in time a little bit again. So pre-Augie, there was an organization called the Insurance Digital Revolution that doesn't exist anymore. We folded it into Augie. But its whole goal 
was to get more agents to be digital because you have a lot of people who've been drinking the Kool-Aid for many years. So when we talk about real time, right? And Keith and, you know, some of his friends sitting in a room doing this stuff for so long, like they could do it in their sleep. And then you have a group of folks who are doing things and are very sophisticated, but you also have a larger group that aren't doing some of these things. They may have an agency management system, they may have the telephone system, but some of the other things they're avoiding or not doing. And so how do you get more people or even solutions that have been around a long time, like they, we talk about claims download or commercial lines download, not everybody's doing it who could be doing it, yet it it's proven to be make an agency more efficient. So why is that? You know, what is it? Is it something about the communication? Is it something about the education? Um, some of these solutions don't even cost anything. So it's not always cost. So what is it? And I think a lot about that because that's my job. That's sometimes what they hire me to do is, okay, how do we get this out? How do we get it rolled out more? Um, we're doing something at Augie that may help. We're looking because... Here's the thing about insurance, some of these meetings, that if you aren't in on the vernacular and you don't know what, um, you know, XML means or this or that or, you know, whatever these acronyms we're using of the day, then you may feel like, oh my God, this stuff is too hard for me to take on. So how do you break it down and stop talking tech right away and stop like, you know, putting people off? But how do you really talk about the business? value of this and what right. like there are some great stories from the Augie group where they talk about how in the pandemic you know having the ability to get these documents from carriers like right into their systems like immediately by signing up for some of the downloads really saved the day with a lot of people who were newly working at home so we're trying to capture and tell some of those stories and make them available more broadly and I think that'll help trying to make everything more accessible and talk in a language people can everyone can easily understand and not just people who are like in the know on the latest in standards or the latest in the technology. So it, it just seems easier to grab onto. Um, the other thing is I think that um, agents tell me that there are so the, the good news and bad news is with all this explosion of insure tech, there are almost so many solutions that it's hard to make a choice. How do you know something's going to work? And sometimes folks overpromise and underdeliver, and there's not always a, an objective way to evaluate, is this going to work for my agency or not? So that's another area we look at a lot is can we, um, are there ways to figure out how to, how to share agent stories, talk to them about RO, the return on investment that other agents have experienced, some of the pitfalls that they've experienced, and, you know, be able to share that information on down the line as well. Yeah, and with some of that, you've got to take those risks, and you've got to get out there and try new things with these insure techs. And some of them, like you said, some of them may work, some right. may not. Right. Some of them may be the next greatest thing, and some of them may be the biggest flop ever. I feel like some solution that works for this agency won't work for this one and vice versa. And so I think, again, it's just going out and trying, but it's good to have a company like the 10 company that's trying these things out or things like, you know, or companies that are saying, okay, this works, this doesn't, here's testimonials that say it does, it doesn't. Right. So I appreciate you doing that. Right. And um, I think that's pretty cool that you're able to do that. And like you said, that there are so many solutions out there and it can get confusing and I tell you, one of those solutions that we've all kind of either fallen in love with or are getting tired of is Zoom um, or 
WebEx or, you know, some people still use Skype or whatever it may be. But I, I saw and I've seen some things with you. And we've talked about some of the things that you're doing with the 10 company with Zoom. And I have to say this, this is, this is coming from the mayor. This is Heath talking, not, you know, the platform of everybody else. But I feel like a lot of people are, you know, feel like we're getting this vaccine coming and everything's going to go back to the way it used to be like all of a sudden. That's not, this is yeah. me talking. That's yeah. not going to happen. We'll yeah. get a vaccine. But we're still going to be living this way for many, 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 many more months to come. Maybe even a 2022 from what I'm hearing from some people. So Zoom's not going anywhere. Virtual reality, so to speak, that we live in is not going anywhere. And so I'm glad that you're helping people because folks, we just got to settle in and get used to this for a while. And that's not me being negative. Because there's a lot of positive that's come out of this. Right. So again, I say all that rant. That's Heath's rant. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, to say, what, what are you doing? What do you feel about Zoom? What do you got going on? I know you're teaching people, working with people on how to settle into this new virtual yeah. life. Well, I think what you're saying is real. And it may, I think it even goes beyond the virus, right? Yep. So we may, this may linger that we have, that we think it was going to end and it may go on a lot longer. But it also may, customers' behaviors are likely to change, right? So I think that's the thing that our agencies or any kind of investment advisor or financial advisor who's used to sitting across the table from customers or prospects um, should think about is people may like it better. They may like being able to just zoom in with you and get your expertise and do it in 15 minutes rather than, you know, drive up to... New York City and, you know, have the formal meeting. There will be folks who will want to go back to that, but there will also be folks who will sort of adopt this new way of doing business. And if you're, if you're in the position of I'm the trusted advisor, huge opportunity, right? Because you can sit in your house and have like 10 meetings rather than five or, you know, we're, we're talking to a lot of people who do speaking engagements and I keep telling them this is the best opportunity ever. You can pitch yourself to all these virtual events and never have to fly anywhere. It's huge. You can really spread your wings. So, we're working with a lot of folks in that position to say, how do you look at this as an opportunity? But by the way, knowing that it's going to be here a while, how do you get yourself to be really good at it? You know, how do you make sure you're not just, we do things like, how do you make sure you're not just presenting some boring old set of slides, but you're actually having a dialogue over Zoom like we're having today? Um, let's say you're dealing with a lot of these, we've worked with investment advisors who were, um, you know, trying to figure out how to navigate. It's not always just Zoom. Sometimes it's WebEx that they're using, and which is even a little more complicated. And they're dealing with an elderly population. So how do you work with your elderly customers and get them set up to be able to even have this meeting with you on WebEx? And, you know, is there a way you can have a pre-meeting to the meeting where you talk them through actually how to open the computer and log on to the different things so that they're equipped to do it? Um, so there's a ton of things that go along with that, but even just to how you present yourself and how you, what you think about in the background, right? We work with folks on what does that look like? You know, what should you look like? What should your lighting even look like? And then this whole thing about with everybody working from home and with all these interruptions, you know, how do you even deal with that when that happens? And the, the our, our feeling is you just embrace it, right? Because it makes you real. It makes things, you know, it, it can even give you more of a connection with your with your buyers or your customers yeah I, I think a lot of people don't 
think about the things you just brought up, the background. As we were getting on this call, you know, guys pulling the curtain back, before I hit record, I was having trouble with my lighting, and I couldn't get her to see my – and I was struggling with that. And, you know, I didn't think about that until you, you just brought that up. Yeah. And here I'm wearing my Cheers T-shirt from Boston trip a few years back. <laughs> but, again, you know, I've been on some of these calls when you'll hear – dogs barking in the background which i did think about that i put my dog in his kennel and you know i've got you know the door closed and trying to mute my phone because my computer and i can get on you for that because i heard your phone go off when you're talking I to turn it off <laughs> but <laughs> again people don't think room. about that <laughs> yeah no yeah so I'm, I'm glad that you're bringing that to light people that are listening to this you know some of you might be ah heat that's you know i know these things but it, you know some of you might be thinking that's i didn't think about those things and I've got my insurance town background on because I'm in my son's room and you don't want to see his underwear and his <laughs> whatever else behind me because, uh, you know, again, I got to have the right setting for this. But anyhow, c- continue on what you were saying. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, I, I mean, it's all, I mean, like you said, people think it's simple, but we're working with a lot of people that going through these steps is a really good thing because they're not think they're not all thinking about that. And then it gets more sophisticated beyond that. So like what kinds of questions, how do you have a dialogue with folks? You know, when you're not sitting across from them, if your strength really as an agency has been, you know, you really make a personal connection with people. How do you do that? And, and some of the ways, you know, you can look to, um, one of the examples I used in the training is that um, NFL draft. It's a lit, It's getting a little old now, so I have to find new examples. But you, people thought, all right, how is this even going to work virtually? And I'm not a sports fan, and I watched that thing from start to finish. And because it was so engaging, and you saw the people sitting in their living rooms, and you kind of saw the whole backstory of some of the players who were getting drafted, it was it was really cool. And so if you can think of this, I think of this a lot with the colleges, right? And they have to do the, or the schools, they have to do remote learning. How do you make it an experience? How, you know, yep, you don't want it, but how do you make it an experience that's so much better because takes it, it takes advantage of all the opportunity that you have because you're not bound by time and space as much anymore and think big. So how do you do that? And so how do you do that as a trusted advisor? in terms of can you be reaching out to more people in more geographies? You know, is that an opportunity for your business? Are there people you could never get to before who wouldn't give you the time of day, but they're sitting home now and the idea of a 15 minute Zoom with you might be, you know, the high point of their day. So maybe they'll listen to you or maybe you're gonna add some value that relates to how their business changed during the pandemic and you can just pitch them right at the right time. So. Um, I think there are real ways to really take advantage of the opportunity and be really good at make the medium work for you. So if it's Zoom or WebEx or whatever it is, make it play to your strengths. Yeah, no, I agree completely. And as you're talking, I'm sitting there thinking, if I were back into production again as an agent, I would use this time to maybe develop a new niche. It's so much easier now. You could niche in in other states, Um, you know, within your own state, obviously, because you can reach the masses so much easier and reach more people in a day. I mean, you know, when we first started this, you know, a lot of my listeners know I work for a carrier as well as do the podcast. And they were saying at first, we need you to see a certain amount of agents in a day. I thought, oh my gosh, it's going to be impossible. But I was thinking more of driving in the car and getting there 
and then more driving, more windshield time. But I was like, oh, I could see like 15 people in a week and it'd be easy. Yeah. So, um, and if my boss is listening, don't, don't <laughs> up the ante on me now. But um, no, but seriously, I really feel like agents, if you're listening to this, take this opportunity, maybe to get out and niche, you know, find that opportunity out there. And there's so many easy ways you could, you know, Google this niche to find out where there's these uh, opportunities out there. You can find them on Facebook, LinkedIn. You can invite them to a Zoom call and you can easily do that. Yep. And there might even be new businesses. We do a lot of thinking, even for my own business, about are there new segments or new businesses that are doing really well in this environment? So like Zoom is one of them, right? Anything that has to do with remote working, but are there service-related businesses that have sprung up, new categories that maybe haven't even thought about insurance yet and you're getting in on the ground floor. So, you know, it's kind of a double-edged thing. You can get to them. And then are there some brand new types of businesses that are really thriving in this kind of a market? So. Yeah, you're exactly right. And the one, you know, the one that got me was, and I'd always wanted to have a podcast and I've always wanted this format because I, I love talking to people and I could hear myself talk for hours on end as my wife would tell me. But again, this is, I've noticed since I've gotten into podcasting, more and more people are doing that. And, you know, it, again, it's one of those areas that's growing. And, mm-hmm. you know, I also, one of the ones that throws me for a loop sidebar is this, the mortgage industry, the, the housing industry right now is just booming with interest rates. What is going on with that? Yeah. Anyway, uh, which is good for the insurance agents listening to this. But um, again, I don't want to digress too far to that because I don't have an answer. And I don't think you do either of why that's happening, but. Anyhow, to, to your point, use this as an opportunity. Yeah. No, but the whole real estate thing, who would have expected that, right? Who would right? have expected that? I mean, I just sold my house to, to full disclosure. I was planning to sell my house and I thought the pandemic hit and I thought, uh-oh, we're going to be a year off from this now and that's not my plan. And then my realtor called me and said, no, no you got to get on the market now. And that's what we did. So, um, yeah, it's like gangbusters and I can't even find a new house to buy. That's how crazy this market is. Agents, if you're not working with realtors or lenders by now, you should. Um, but, um, okay. So now that we're way off track, let me try to circle this back around a little bit. Um, so, um, back to talking about working virtually and some of those things that agents you're trying to champion agents to do and to adapt to this new world that we live in whether it's digital or virtual or both, do you have any other thoughts on this? Any other ideas, anything else that you're doing with the tin company? And if you want to tell people more about the tin company, you know, take this opportunity to give me a little, little commercial on that. If you want to. Um, sure. I'll do a little commercial. Cause we do a little bit of everything. So um, as I said up front, we um, started this with my partner, um, she came out of Guy Carpenter. She was a CMO of Guy Carpenter and I came out of Ivan. So we do actually have strong insurance creds, but we also work for other industries as well, variety of industries. But one of the things we're doing with the 10 company is a lot of coaching. So if we say all the things I do at the 10 company, I will go in and I'll help a CEO with his growth strategy and, and how does he sell more? And you know, how does he position his company? What should the messages be? I'll go work with a senior executive on their social media presence or getting articles written about them in the trade publications or business press. We do sort of the whole gamut. But the one thing that gives me sort of the biggest thrill and um, 
you know, sort of makes me feel like I love what I'm doing is when we're coaching. So I talked a little bit about how we work with women and coach women. And, you know, we have a number of uh, programs that we do for women about risk taking or presenting yourselves, but we coach a lot of execs. We do it both one-on-one and we do group coaching on sort of how to present yourself better. And that actually was our first gig that we got when we opened our doors. We got hired by Alcoa at the time to go out to Pittsburgh and help their folks from all over the world they would win a contest and they would have to present to the CEO and that would make them really nervous. And so we helped coach them on what kind of presentation, what should it look like, you know, not only how to stand, but what should the content be? And it was just so um, fulfilling for us that we built that out into a line that we do to this day. So we coach lots of folks and that's really my favorite thing to do. And that's awesome. And one of the things um, where you and I first met in Orlando at a national conference for the PIA, you were introducing some cool stuff that you're doing with the PIA and with other organizations, not to just say PIA, but one of the things that really stuck out to me, and even now, you know, even in the pandemic, I think it's even more important, is this winning at talent. Did you come up with that program? Uh, that's the PIA partnership with the, which is the PIA's carrier yep. council. Yeah. yeah. And I helped them execute that program. So what, what we did was they said they wanted to help agencies uh, find more talent, right? Find and motivate and retain more talent. And so I helped them execute it. Yeah. So yeah, I, <laughs> I'm interested to hear your thoughts on, on finding that talent because that's a huge issue as I consult and work with agencies across the state of Arkansas and Louisiana and then others now from other states doing this podcast, one of the most common themes I hear is, you know, finding that talent Mm -hmm. and how to find that talent. And, you know, one of the oldest, you know, ones I've heard that works in our industry is, Oh, I I had a waitress that I loved at the local diner down the road and I hired so-and-so or I, you know, so-and-so down the street, there was a great at this service. And so I understand that and that makes sense. But is there other things that we're missing that we're not doing that you could tell my audience about while we're in their ears for a few more minutes? Yeah, just real quick. So you're exactly right. So all of all the agencies I talked to, they said two things. One is people don't need insurance experience to work in my agency. I'm willing to teach that if they have the right, you know, values and the right um, characteristics to be, to be able to work there. So it might be the waitress or the coach or whatever, or the bank finance manager. Two is always be hiring, right? The folks that I talked to that were successful were not waiting until they had an open position. They were constantly looking, right? And that's the agency principal. That I was fascinated by the amount of time the agency principals spend thinking about this topic and always looking for people to hire because that's that and producing, right? So those are the like the two things they're like constantly thinking about. Um, Yeah, so that was clear. But I think where there's an opportunity, even as the industry, is selling insurance as a career. So if you think about your agency and you want to attract sort of new folks to to insurance, right, who haven't always worked here, they're doing it one-to-one, convincing that waitress or coach it'll be a good career. But there's a real opportunity for the industry to be able to talk more about this is a great career and here are the benefits. The greatest industry that God ever made, in my yeah. opinion. <laughs> well, and and that, that's not the title of the brochure, but winning at talent has a great <laughs> <laughs> I really do feel that. like this industry is the greatest industry ever. And 
there's so many things that we could talk about further on that, but keep going. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just no, love our that's industry. All I wanted to say is if, if you're a member of PIA or if you are um, uh, an agent of one of the PIA partnership carriers, you have access to this great tool and you can go to it. And there is a brochure that really talks about the benefits of insurance working at an agency as a career. And you could use it in your recruiting efforts, which can help. No, 100% correct on that. And so, um, I would love to, you know, continue to wrap for a while, but as we're running low on time, I would love to have you give the floor for a few minutes and I'll ramble and give you time to be thinking, but I want to give you the floor to talk about whatever you want to. Um, again, this could be something related to what we've already talked about or just something that's on your mind. I didn't ask you about. It's become one of my audience's favorite segments because he shuts up and the, um, uh, the guest gets to talk a little bit. I think Keith, I guess what I would say is this has been an awesome time. I haven't done this with you. I've listened to your podcasts and I really sort of, I had no idea what I was going to say, frankly, for some of these questions. And I think you got me talking a lot more than maybe I had thought I was going to say. And it gives me food for thought on a lot of the things I'm doing and why I'm doing them. So I think that's really cool. But I will say, I think that um, I enjoy my time in the industry. I love talking to agents more than, you know, I, in every one of my um, things I do in the industry, I always say, all right, I'm going to call some agents and just have conversations. And I just find them so just willing to share and willing to help the other agents that I'm trying to produce the stuff for. So I think that's really cool. So um, just really thankful that you invited me today. No, I, I'm so glad that you agreed to do it. I've been a fan of yours since I met you back. I, was that it was, February of this year? Was no, it, it was wasn't before, it last fall? It was like a year ago. I think maybe it was, it was a year ago. ago. Yeah, it was Shoot, a year I ago. Don't, it's been a while. But... Yeah. You know, I've been a fan. I've followed you and my wife and I are fans. And, you know, I know that Becker is and he and I talk about you. And so I was glad to finally get you on the show and get to discuss things with you. I appreciate you opening up and talking to us and teaching us so much. And I love that you said just a minute ago that you like speaking to agents and working with agents because I want you to share your contact info. Mm -hmm. And I want you to give that because I want people to reach out to you and I want them to ask you questions or feel free to pick your brain or hire you or whatever it may be. I would love for that for you and for my audience. So if you'll share whatever contact you want to. Sure. I will share my email and my phone. Absolutely. And, and I'm constantly always looking for agents to talk to for things I'm working on either for the PIA or Augie too. So there may be, you know, mute ways we can mutually um, share and benefit each other. So first my phone, it's Claire DiNicola and it's 203-918-6022. You can always call me or text me. And then my email is Claire, C-L-A-R-E dot D-E-N-I-C-O-L-A at the T-H-E and then the one zero for the 10 company, but it's a one zero company.com and companies all spelled out. So there you go. Thank you so much. And I got to ask you one last question. I may edit this out, but I'm dying to know what is the 10 company? What did that, that name come uh, from? The 10, <laughs> what is the 10? 
Um, it's it's actually our whole brand. We we want to get it. We want to score a ten. Like if you hire oh. us, we want you to give us a ten. But also, there's a bunch of other things that we'll put our money where our mouths are and and give you sort of ten percent credit if we don't meet our goals or if we meet our goals you could pay us 10 percent more and uh so yeah so it does have a meaning so good question there you go <laughs> all righty now that was my last question so thank you so much for hanging out with me i look forward to visiting with you again soon all right thanks Heath. bye-bye thank you guys so much for checking out my conversation with claire d nicola we had a great time and i hope you did too and I hope that we brought value to your day today. You know, each and every week, it's my goal to introduce you to my friends in this business. And I really hope that the content we bring you makes you a better insurance professional. And I mean that. That is such a huge goal of mine. So, uh, guys, I got to tell you, like I do every single week, this episode is brought to you by Ready, Set, Podcast. They have a new URL. I've told it to you every week. It's www.getreadysetpodcast.com. You can check out my man Ryan on Facebook, on Instagram, uh, or like I said, you can find him on his website, getreadysetpodcast.com. If you have an idea for a podcast, you need to reach out to him. He does a great job producing, editing, recording, all of the above. He's awesome. That's Ready, Set, Podcast, turning your brilliant ideas into a reality. Thanks again, guys. I look forward to seeing you next week.